Hello, this is Lafayette Faust, creator of the Nevermore Hollows podcast. Thank you for making the show a success. Please take a moment to subscribe, give five stars, comment, and share the show with your friends. It's the best way to help us grow and to be able to continue to provide quality horror content. Also, please support our new art director, Chris Madman Goins, at Black Sheep Studios TN on Instagram. He has some amazing Nevermore Hollows art for sale, signed by the both of us, as well as many other original pieces I think you're going to love. Now, for you horror hounds who like to have a good laugh, I invite you to check out my other podcast. It's called The Three Uncool Cats. In it, my two friends and I sit in a basement and discuss music, movies, and whatever else comes into our warped minds. I would really appreciate it if you would give it a listen. Now, with that out of the way, I invite you to sit back, turn on a light, and prepare yourself. The grim tale of Grace Macabre is the story that started it all. I created some characters, Grace and Sarah and Ian, and I put them in this creepy little town and I set them on an adventure. I love these characters because they are the original inhabitants of Nevermore Hollows, and I hope that you will also grow to love them. This was originally a book, and I will present it as a book on tape and release it in chapters within the podcast format. Most of the chapters are short and easy to get through, usually between 10 and 15 minutes long. Why did I not release The Grim Tale of Grace Macabre as a book? Well, that requires a frustrating answer. Every single agent that nimbled when I pitched the idea asked me to change the characters and the story to support one of many social agendas that were popular at the time. Changing these characters to push agendas would have fundamentally changed everything I had labored so hard to create. Besides, pushing agendas that I do not believe in would be selling out, wouldn't it? At the end of the day, I just want to tell a fun story. I hope that you follow Grace and Sarah and Ian on their journey as they find strength in themselves and each other as they battle a cadre of monsters. With all that being said, I invite you to sit back, turn on a light, and prepare yourself. The Grim Tale of Grace Macabre Chapter 1 Grace Macabre sat at a table in the school library, casting fitful glances at the dark-haired guy sitting three tables over. She was shy, painfully so, and though she was totally obsessed with him, she could not bring herself to say hello. Grace was in the Hitchcock High School library, gathering information for a paper she had to write for her ancient civilizations class. 
history was not her best subject. She couldn't care less about all those ancient cities and those long-dead people that had lived in them. Besides, she thought, none of that stuff mattered anyway. She found it even harder to concentrate when Ari, the boy she was obsessing over, leaned back in his chair and stretched. His movement was lithe, like a panther gracefully stretching out of boredom. Her heart skipped when he gave a quick shake of his head and tossed a strand of his dark hair from his face. Oh my gosh. He sat with five other people, two guys and three girls. They were loners, but that only served to make them more mysterious and desirable. Even the thick-headed jocks wanted to be around them. The jocks wanted to hang with the guys, Ari, Barba, and Andre, because of how popular they were with the girls in school. However, the jocks especially wanted to be around the three girls, Amy, Salome, and Nephi, because they were gorgeous, each in their own unique ways. Amy was a tall, slender redhead with alabaster skin and pouty lips. Salome was petite, blonde, and had the bluest eyes that Grace had ever seen. But it was Nephi who had all the boys in school drooling. She was gorgeous. Her black shoulder-length hair was full of curls and seemed to gleam in any light. She was so voluptuous that even if she had chosen to dress in a more conservative fashion, which she had not, she still would not have been able to hide her stunning figure and her cat-green eyes were spellbinding. They all lived together in the same house on the edge of town with no adult supervision. It was also rumored that since there were three guys and three girls that they were dating each other, though it was unclear of the pairings that would make up each couple. All six seemed equally attracted to each other, but none were ever seen holding hands or kissing. It was because of these things, as well as their quiet and willful separation from any meaningful interaction with other students, that caused the other kids to refer to them as the runaways. Grace felt pulled toward this group in a powerful way. She felt that on some level it was due to the chaos in her family life and the terror that gripped this weird little town. Her parents had recently divorced after her mother discovered her dad was having an affair with a younger woman. And on top of that, the town was in the grip of fear due to all the recent child abductions. No one knew exactly who was abducting the children. There were four kids, all under the age of 13, who had gone missing. The last child to go missing was Ralphie Stinson, and it left his mother a complete mess. It was her story that had made the townsfolk, which were already on edge, devolve into complete paranoia. She told the sheriff that she had come into little Ralphie's room to check on him about midnight and saw a large man with long, bony arms and legs crawling out the window, pulling the sleeping child behind him. The local newspaper had picked up on that story and began calling the perp the crawling man which only served to stoke the spreading flames of paranoia. There was now a town curfew of 8 p.m., and her mother was even more clingy and smothering because of it. 
There is always something strange and scary going on in this stupid town, Grace thought. Even its name is strange and scary. Who would ever name a town Nevermore Hollows? She needed an escape from this chaos, and the runaways sitting three tables over seemed to offer that escape in a powerful way with their lack of fear and complete disconnect with the belief systems around them. They seemed not to buy into any of the accepted social rules that everyone else in school had adopted. If I could be as carefree and as beautiful as they are, my life would be so much better. I would be liberated from this mundane existence. Grace's life had taken more than one hit lately. The separation of her parents was by far the worst, but her best and only friend, Melanie, had just moved to another state. So now she had no real friends, and none of the choices at school were overwhelming with possibilities. You had the steroid-addicted jocks who wanted only to put another sexual encounter on their scoreboards, the brainless glamour model wannabes whom she personally referred to as Barbie zombies who were out of the question. Everyone else was so focused on their smartphones and techie devices trying to find the next cool thing that life was passing them by without them even knowing it. And that brought her to one of the biggest reasons she longed to be with the runaways. She simply felt that her life was going nowhere. She had no money of her own. She had no friends. She had no meaningful way to pass her time. Her mother was stifling in her overcompensation of dealing with the failure of her marriage. Grace desperately needed to escape and experience some excitement. And though she felt that the excitement she craved was with the runaways, she just couldn't bring herself to make the first move and introduce herself. She leaned over her book on ancient Greek civilization, pretending to read while she continued to cast surreptitious glances at Ari, praying he'd look her way, terrified that he might. What would she do if he did see her watching him? How would she react? Would she react with enough detachment that he would think her mysterious and desirable? Or would her face turn crimson, as it usually did when she was embarrassed, and make herself look too innocent and reveal her naivete? She turned her attention back to her book and tried to focus. She began to nervously twirl a strand of strawberry blonde hair with her finger. She closed her eyes and could see herself sitting beside Ari, pretending indifference with the world, yet smoldering on the inside with passion. Grace, you need any help with your report? Grace looked up to see her ancient civilizations teacher standing over her. His name was Charles Kent. He was not quite 30, athletically built, with sandy hair and a sparkling smile. There were many girls in the school, mostly the Barbie zombies, who had secret crushes on him. Some of them even made their crushes not so secret by openly flirting with him and wearing clothes that were purposefully too revealing to his class. Um, no, Grace replied. I'm fine. It's just that you look a little distracted, Mr. Kent said, casting a knowing look over at the runaways. The report is due next week, and there is no time to waste. If you need help, I'd be glad to you know, put you on the right track. Thanks, but 
I'm sure I'll have it ready in time. Which topic did you choose to write about, he asked. Grace sat up a little straighter in her chair. She could see many of the other girls giving her mean little glances because she was getting Mr. Kent's attention. Um, I chose to write about Athena, the goddess of reason, art, and literature. He nodded his head appreciatively. Very good, he said with a smile. Did you also know that she was their goddess of war? No, I didn't. A broad smile swept across his face. It was obvious he enjoyed history, maybe a little too much. Why did anyone need to know this kind of stuff? It wasn't relevant to modern society anyway. She was all about love and art, he said, but she would kick your butt all over Greece if she needed to. Grace tilted her head slightly as she considered what he had said. She did find that piece of information somewhat interesting. So, Athena seemed to be a well-rounded woman, she said. Mr. Kent nodded. Oh, she was. In fact, I'd say she could be the perfect example for girls like yourself because she was the opposite of a damsel in distress. She was beautiful, intelligent, and could take care of herself. That might be a theme for your paper. Um, cool. Thanks. Grace picked up her pencil and jotted those points down on her notepad. She cast another quick glance at Ari, and she thought, I wish I were beautiful, intelligent, and could take care of myself. You're welcome, Mr. Kent said. He turned and walked over to another group of students. Grace noticed that too many of the girls in the library watched him with open admiration. There seems to be no chastity or dignity with girls today, she thought. She adjusted herself in her chair and prepared to begin her report in earnest when she caught movement from the corner of her eye. She looked over and saw that the runaways were getting up from their table. Every eye in the library followed them as they walked past Grace toward the door that led out into the hallway. Grace had to force herself not to watch them as they walked by. However, as she pulled her gaze from them, she was shocked when Ari looked straight at her and flashed his brilliant, toothy smile. As he walked past, he casually put his hand on her shoulder for a fleeting but electrifying moment, and her heart fluttered like a small bird trying to break free from its cage. Her breath caught in her throat. She forced herself to act as if his touch meant nothing to her. She wanted desperately to keep her eyes looking down on her book, but she couldn't help herself. She waited one, two, three fluttery heartbeats and gave a quick look over her shoulder. Ari pushed through the door with the others behind him. He did not look back.